Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Left Page. Yes, we're finally here again, after, now we are actually on vacation, it's finally. Finally, so yeah. we can do this with a lot more peace on our minds <laughs> as we do it. Exactly. And tackle some stuff that is... Yeah, I think my English might be a little rusty from the, the short break that we did, but yeah, we will do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll work it out. Yeah. It, it's fine, it's part of the process as yeah. well. So... Here we are again. It is I, Frank, uh, always here. History getting into literature and Bruno, my man of letters, <laughs> or of the fine letters. So we're here today to bring to bring a classic yeah. with some some of our readings of it. And oh, there, there's, it's just, oh, it's yeah. lovely. It's always lovely to talk about him. Yeah. <laughs> Even with... Tremendous horror. Yeah, and, and, and it's nice because we actually kind of have like a personal... Both of us have like a personal tradition with this short story because we saw it, we read it on, on school, we read it on college, I read it numerous times in university. So, yeah, it's, it's like... A, a familiar ground, but is uh, because it's terror is also like each time that you read it, it it's kind of new and kind of surprises you in a new way. So, Always, yeah. Yeah. and it, it's a short story that the reread is definitely worth it. Yeah, like reading it now, this is like a second, third, maybe fourth time I've read it, and I'm, I'm finding new things. Or, yeah more stuff that I'm looking for exactly in my and, and it's it's really short it's really really short for a, a, a such a like a, a piece of fine art like is <laughs> is this short story so let's not uh, wait too much to review that for the gothic yeah <laughs> so today we're talking about one of Edgar Allan Poe's most famous and interesting and horrifying although most of them if not all of them are yeah uh, which is the black cat yeah originally published in 1843 edgar Allan poe himself the classic american short story horror writer and famous for various other short stories we've mentioned him before when talking about the detective novel as yeah, well the because letter. because of course yeah. he was the yeah. purloined letter the murders of the Murders of Rumorg and The Mystery of Marie Roger, and yeah. of course other horror ones like The Telltale Heart, for example, is yeah. particularly yeah, uh, famous yeah. and powerful. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to it at some point, along with the detective ones with some more focus as well. That that would definitely be nice. Yeah, but today uh, we're going to be talking about the Black Cat, which is. Short story that fits a lot more with his general schema, if you will, of this sort of gothic horror with yeah. some particular elements and just the general unsettling psychosis, violence, and death and murder, of course. Because yeah. why not? Uh, and actually, I think as well that is like maybe his most, like the work that he put most of his. Tec technical power of mm -hmm. writing like it, it, it when i read it and when i analyze it in in the university it's almost like he's using all of his arsenal to just 
make the perfect short story. It's <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's really like all we were talking earlier about this, like all of the the uses of general and almost cliche things about literature that he uses in the he uses to be ironic he uses mm-hmm. uh with the the other intent so it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's a masterpiece yeah it, it's it has all of the the basic uh, and, and paul was really uh a really good uh essayist as well so uh he wrote essays about how to write uh, the philosophy of composition mm-hmm. is like a total masterpiece if you ever want to write anything close to a short story or close to terror it's it's amazing but yeah uh, i think we shall not dive too deep in in the technical aspects but trying to analyze it uh with this general aspect so yeah yeah also first things first i'll go through the general sort of synthesis of the story and what it involves. Yeah. So we have this man who's first of all introducing himself as a condemned man. Yeah. Uh, soon to be executed. So this is in a way his confession or his story. Yeah. That he asks in a sort of <laughs> true classic fashion. Yeah. Of I neither expect nor solicit belief. Mad indeed would I be to expect it in a case where my very senses reject their own evidence. Yet. Mad am I not, and very surely do I not dream. But tomorrow I die, and today I would unburden my soul. So this is the sort of text that we're talking about. It's this confession. Yeah. And it's a, from the very beginning, it's a fantastic story. Yeah. That surprises and horrifies the narrator himself. Yeah. So he tells this story about he was a very gentle soul, a very caring man, with a beloved wife, many, many pets. Yeah. whom he loved and cherished and cared for, but due to, and I quote again for the expression I feel is of incredible value, yeah. through the instrumentality of the fiend intemperance. Now, the expression struck me as odd. So I went looking for better definitions of intemperance in general, knowing like sort of the opposite of temperance, of balance. Yeah. And one of the common definitions, at least according to dictionary.com, as well, um, <laughs> was of excessive use of and abuse of alcohol. Yeah. Which becomes clear at that very same paragraph. For what disease is like alcohol? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but still, at that time, it was relevant. Yeah. Um, which the narrator admits that changed his behavior, that he grew irritable, angry, a radical alteration for the worse of yeah. his entire personality. Yeah. Him becoming violent, uh, mistreating all the animals, with the rare exception of his favorite pet, a black cat yeah. named Pluto, uh, which is foreboding in the least. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually nice to uh, comment as well that the first thing that they say about Pluto is actually that his wife loves him, but that she says that uh, each and every single one of black cats are actually witches in disguise. Yeah. So I, I love the the fact that Poe is such a a classic that he uses those kind of those kinds of cliche images just to make the 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 whole text as something a bit uh, easier to reference in your head mm-hmm. to understand. Like it, it's a really common reference. 
but the things that he do with the text and the and the and the meaning of the text are the the geniosity he he talks and this is really uh, a thing from from lots of modernists uh, as i always talk about baudelaire <laughs> there's always uh, in his poems he's trying to talk about something that's really uh, horrible or or really difficult to understand to grasp but it's always about things that everyone knows about like uh he talks about time in a poem called uh the uh the the clock or the <laughs> the the watch so it's it, it's it's really like uh, paul has also this sort of quality of talking about things that are easily understandable but the meaning behind those things are really really dark and deep oh definitely yeah And this black cat is his favorite pet and playmate. Yeah. And basically, he was the one responsible for taking care of it because it somewhat scared his wife. Yeah. And even as he turns violent towards his pets, towards his wife, he says it somewhat clearly that he was violent with her. Yeah. And however, he he was more restrained with Pluto. He wasn't as violent at the beginning. Eventually, he was, and there were... Some moments where he says he was crashed, and that, like, he says, The fury of a demon instantly possessed me. I knew myself no longer. My original soul seemed at once to take its flight from my body. And a more than fiendish malevolence, gin nurtured, <laughs> thrilled every fiber of my frame. And then, in a very, very violent uh, <laughs> manner, gouges one of the cat's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> And he experiences some sort of regret afterwards, but he sort of sustains that decision. And the cat, from then on, starts avoiding him more. <laughs> and yeah. uh, he talks about he, this spirit of perverseness that was sort of uh, the mark of the missing eye in the cat was a memory of that towards him. Yeah. But eventually he, in this alcoholism in this state of irritability, irritability and change in his demeanor, he maintains this sort of violence and eventually well <laughs> he kills the cat yeah, uh, hanging him from a tree <laughs> in a most perverse and horrifying manner yeah and, and I think it's also uh, really uh, I mean Probably you guys will read it uh, if you have not read it, if you have not ever read it. But the fact is that it's really strange how in every single death in this short story, the description of the death is almost always less than one line. Yes, it's usually very simplistic and so to the point. So we always have this kind of, oh, I think I'm... I think I'm a bit, uh, I feel bad about what I did. And then this kind of, uh, of this regret starts to dissolve in the, in the narration. And when he's talking about another aspect and you're almost like, you're almost, uh, forgot his, his re regret as well as he is for forgetting his regret. And then it, It goes again into an episode of extreme violence. Yeah. It's always like this. And it's a very peculiar moment. I'll, I'll narrate this bit. One morning, in cool, in cool blood, I slipped a noose about its neck and hung it to the limb of a tree. 
that's basically it. But he goes on talking about like the bizarrity of it. Hungered with tears streaming from my eyes, and with the bitterest remorse at my heart. Hungered because I knew that it had loved me, and because I felt it had given me no reason of offense. Hungered because I knew that in so doing I was committing a sin. A deadly sin that would so jeopardize my immortal soul as to place it, if such a thing were possible, even beyond the reach of the infinite mercy of the most merciful and most terrible God. <laughs> the most merciful and terrible God. It, and Pluto. yet, <laughs> you make a very good point too. Yeah. But it is very, it, it's like it's just this violence for the sake of it, this perverseness for the sake of it. Yeah. And it, it, it is such a contradictory point. Like, it's in cold, cool blood, and yet he's remorseful. <laughs> he says that he did it because of violence, but he makes reference to God. Yeah. It is a most ambiguous passage. Even if there's no real doubt about the violence and cruelty involved. And it is a death that has sort of serious consequences, if we are led to believe the way the narrator frames the story. Yeah. That because of such a deed, or for whatever reason, on that same night, there was a fire in the entire house. Yeah. That basically consumed it whole. And... With the entirety of the destruction, uh, like a single wall was left, and in that wall there was this sort of bar relief, this sort of framing of the image, the figure of a gigantic cat. <laughs> the ep- the impression was given with an acute accuracy truly marvelous. There was a rope about the animal's neck. Yeah, <laughs> and he rationalizes it. It's very peculiar because he says <laughs> it's, it's the most ridiculous part of the short story. Like he says, no, this this is absurd. How could it be? The, I rem- but then he remembers how the cat was hung and. Upon the alarm of the fire, the garden had been immediately filled by the crowd, and he imagines that like someone cut the cat down and threw it the window to to love him. Yeah, and then due to the impression of the cat, <laughs> there was the marking on the wall from the ammonia the, from the body. Yeah, something. Yeah, like. it's a sort of rationalization. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of story, like, but son, how did you? Did something like this and just start to invent something really bizarre, like oh, a bird came from the window and then it it just dropped all of the glasses on the floor and something like this. Yeah, it's it's like it's this rationalization that seems it's almost more fictional than the the, the entire story. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah. that that's something for the. The reason of the 19th century. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, 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 it's hard to forget the, the, the notion that the, the Baudelaire's spleen, this sort of sick feeling of the yeah. century. Yeah. So that's nice. <laughs> and as the story goes, in another moment where later as the, uh, the narrator was in a bar in a den of more than infamy, he notices like, sort of black object in the corner next to drinking barrels and the gin like and gin and rum yeah or rum i rather a, a, a very large cat much similar to pluto with a white blot in the in his re, his breast region yeah. and like a sort of marking in one of the eyes the eye that the narrator removed from pluto yeah and this cat like sort of he becomes sort of fond of it in this moment and the the barkeep says like oh i've never seen this thing before it's just there like the guess 
and it follows the narrator home, and he yeah. doesn't give it a name. Yeah. That's noteworthy too. Yeah. And the cat was always sort of kind and gentle to it, staying close to the narrator. And again, the narrator develops this sort of irritability yeah. and, and a dread. Like he's, it's almost like a sixth sense of the beast that like, it's not a mere cat. It's yeah. something else that's yeah. tormenting me. Yeah. And <laughs> there comes a time when he notices or like he sees a sort of shape in the white blot that is in the cat's breast. And it's a very bizarre narration, and, and I'll say it, I'll read this passage, because these are very distinct passages that are worth reading. Yeah. Uh, so sorry, taking some time with it. The reader will remember that this mark, although large, had been originally very indefinite, but by slow degrees, degrees nearly imperceptible, and which for a long time my reason, I'll note, reason is capitalized here. <laughs> It's a very particular kind of reason. It's not any reason. It's the reason. Yeah. So again, this sort of reason is almost like mocked. It's like, how can this reason see this? This Is this real reason? Yeah. Uh, struggle to reject is fanciful. It had, at length, assumed a rigorous distinctness of outline. It was now the representation of an object that I shudder to name. And for this, above all, I loathed and dreaded and would have rid myself of the monster had I dared. It was now, I say, the image of a hideous, of a ghastly thing, of the gallows. Gallows is fully capitalized. <laughs> o mournful and terrible engine of horror and of crime, of agony and of death. So that's a distinct passage, yeah. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Where the narrator sees this image of death marked upon this cat, image that he although not the entirety of the gallows, had somehow provoked the same sort of death to Pluto. Yeah. And now this other cat comes to remind him of it. Exactly. Curse him of yeah. it, if you will. And he keeps defining this cat as a beast, as a monster, despite it, like, acting as a cat. Yeah, and I... It's... <laughs> it's... I have to talk about two things. One that I am sure... And the other one that I'm not sure, and I want to comment with you. Of course, <laughs> uh, I guess. So the the first thing is, I love how he never talks about when he drinks, mm -hmm. and so it's like just diluted in the story, and you know that he's an uh, he's an alcoholic, but you don't know when he drinks. But mm -hmm. it's really really impactful the scene where he discovers the new cat because he's looking to his bottles so it's it's almost like the moment that the story was going to talk about alcohol he actually the the own narrator is almost like interrupted by this new cat yeah like he diverts the story exactly so it's it's really cool and the other thing that i wanted to to comment uh, taking in consideration that this cat that doesn't have a name but we almost know that is Pluto but it, it isn't at the same time because mm -hmm. how could it be because he's already dead mm -hmm. but the image of a being that has this sort of knowledge from the past and has one eye I, I kept thinking about Odin mm. as well yeah the, the idea of the disguise yeah exactly like it's almost like it's Pluto in a weird sort of disguise. Exactly. It's the same, but it's different. It's a spectral Pluto, if you will. Like, 
because of the black and white, I think. I think that also becomes somewhat distinct. Yeah. And, well, as we go on into some sort of... As the story goes on and the narrator becomes more and more violent, uh, be it to... Although he isn't with the second cat, some sort of fear of dread. Yeah. Almost like his guilt manifests as dread. I think that's distinct. Because it's not like, oh, I loathe him, I hate him. He does, but <laughs> he doesn't show regret or remorse to it, despite the cat, from what he says, being nothing but kind to him. Yeah. And gentle and sweet. Yeah. And in... It's, it's almost like the first prime made him... Uh, it's like a trauma, and we have talked about trauma numerous <laughs> times in this yeah. in this podcast, but it's almost like... In his reasoning, it's almost like, oh, so I did that first crime that it was brutal and terrible of taking his eye off. So, when he kills it, it's almost like, in his mind, a, not merciful, but it's almost that it looks like he's trying to eliminate the fact, the existence of that cat, so he uh, stops uh, judging himself and having like this... Uh, this feeling coming back of guilt and all of those things but at the same time almost like this trauma it stretches into his life in mm -hmm. the the other manners uh, of how he how will he deal with a new cat mm -hmm. or how will he deal with his wife in that yeah case. <laughs> uh, i have something to say about his wife that i just remember but i just want to get, get through the story itself and get to the end. Okay. We'll, we'll go a bit more focused on certain bits. Okay. And they go to what... Oh, uh, thinking about, I think, was the old building, the house that burned down. And they had something to do in that cellar, on that old building. And down the stairs, he was... I don't know what the animal exactly did, but like... Uh, oh, I think... Oh, yeah. The cat followed me down the steep stairs and, nearly throwing me headlong, exasperated me to madness. <laughs> Seems like the cat made him trip, and then he grabs an axe and goes berserk. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife stops him from hitting the cat. Instead, she, or he, kills his wife. Yeah. Uh, ultimately. With a uh, blow to the head. Yeah. I withdrew my arm from her grasp and buried the axe in her brain. She fell dead upon the spot without a groan. And then, on a complete and stark distinction from this brutal, like, raving, mad and fury uh, that he kills his wife, this passion, he coldly and meticulously, with a great deal of capitalized reason, he sets himself to concealing the body. Yeah. And he basically, in a very classic manner that's always become, almost become a trope, he walls her inside the cellar. Uh -huh. In a sort of loose wall. Yeah. In a way that he... <laughs> that the cellar was well adapted and that he was... So that no eye could detect anything suspicious. Yeah. He goes looking for the cat afterwards, after he does all that. And he doesn't find it. He thinks, oh, it's probably gone away from the horror or fear, whatever. Yeah. Um, and eventually he says how the how the police started asking him around because, well, his wife had disappeared <laughs> and wondered if he had anything to do with that and investigated the cellar. And, like, he 
he exhibits the place and it's like he has nothing to hide with confidence and all that and he seems to be he he's in complete pride and hubris like reiterating how oh uh i'm sorry this line is fucking amazing <laughs> gentlemen i said at last as the party ascended the steps like they're leaving the police are leaving yeah. <laughs> and then he says and does this i delight to have allayed your suspicions I wish you all health and a little more courtesy. By the by, gentlemen, this this is a very well constructed house. And here in um in sort of parentheses, in the rapid desire to say something easily, I scarcely knew what I uttered at all. I may say an excellently well constructed house. These walls are you going, gentlemen? These walls are solidly put together. And here, through the mere frenzy of bravado, I rapped heavily with a cane which I held in my hand upon that very portion of the brickwork behind which stood the corpse of the wife of my bosom. So basically he, he holds his cane. Whoops. He holds his cane and taps it at the wall with some strength. And what happens next is almost classic and it's fantastic. Yeah. The, the, the cat basically meows from inside. Uh, but it's very... It is. I'm gonna go through this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but may God shield and deliver me from the fangs of the archfiend. No sooner had the reverberation of my blow sunk into silence than I was answered by a voice from within the tomb. By a cry at first muffled and broken like the sobbing of a child and then quickly swelling into one long, loud and continuous scream utterly anomalous and inhuman, a howl a wailing shriek, half of horror and half of triumph, such as might have arisen only out of hell, conjointly from the throats of the damned in their agony and of the demons that exult in the damnation. Of my own thoughts it is folly to speak. Swooning, I staggered to the opposite wall. For one instant the party upon the stairs remained motionless, through extremity of terror and of awe. In the next, a dozen stout arms were toiling at the wall, it fell bodily. The corpse, already greatly decayed and clotted with gore, stood erect before the eyes of the spectators. Upon his head, with red extended mouth and solitary eye of fire, sat the hideous beast whose craft has seduced me into murder, and whose informing voice had consigned me to the hangman. I had walled the monster up within the tomb. And so it ends. <laughs> that reading was amazing. That is a fantastic <laughs> short story. Yeah. Uh, eventually, we should also consider doing readings of short stories. Yeah, yeah. In sort of longer episodes. Yeah. At least short ones. Yeah. Uh, like this. Uh, or maybe even shorter. Yeah. Because they're so fantastic. Yeah. It, like, it, some are it, so good to read and put aloud. Yeah, exactly. It's it almost like when you read sort of a, a small part of it, you're just like, well, fuck it. I should read everything so you can, so you can hear it. <laughs> exactly. Like... <laughs> This is literature, but it, it sometimes is also meant to be spoken. Yeah, and, and I think that's what I was talking about. That kind of folklorical way that Poe has to describe the, the terrors and things mm -hmm. about his his general way, his general statics of, yeah. of, of talking about terror. Uh, it's what I said, is, uh, and he has that, that sort of element of Ah, you, you may, you will maybe not believe me, but I know what I have seen, and yeah. I know 
my logic and my reason with the capital R, mm-hmm. but but it it has this kind of of anecdotal way. So it obviously it's it's written word, but it has this sort of quality of almost like a folk story that a uh, grandparent would tell to to his <laughs> to I I don't know the the word in English. I'm sorry. Uh, his grand grandchildren. Grandchildren. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, it's it's really it, it it it's bizarre because it, it is terror, but it's a sort of terror that it has those sorts of moments inside mm-hmm. the short story. There are moments of reasoning. There are moments of if you might say normal terror, mm-hmm. and there are these kinds of moments of like psychological terror in a way, like oh, I just took this cat's eye off so mm-hmm. i'm like you you almost like think about holy shit what what would uh, what would i feel if i did such a terrible mistake and and uh, looked at the scene right in front of my eyes like and at the same time he does worse things and doesn't even react yeah so it's almost like you can see his psychological development or should i say his psychological crisis yeah uh, uh, from the end from the beginning to the ending of the story it's really yeah you almost get a fraction of that as he retells the story yeah exactly uh, uh, but something that occurred to me as i was reading some bits and looking at the story again is the figure of the wife yeah the wife is mostly passive in the story which can be argued be it from a position that the narrator is writing the story so Mm -hmm. it's his view but it it seems like she is taking uh, the violence or the anger that he has been putting at the very moment when i mentioned that he where he says that he that was because of drink he says i grew day by day more moody more irritable more regardless of the feelings of others i suffered myself to use intemperate language to my wife at length i even offered her personal violence my pets, of course, were made to feel the change in my disposition. And then he goes on to talk about the pets. Yeah. The violence towards his wife is greatly minimized. Yeah. Although he he mentions it and he doesn't, like, sort of simply... Oh, no, that's fine. He sort of glosses over it. Yeah. It's almost like this is... Um, and this can be... This is an assumption. But a, a, a resource used by Poe that... Maybe the violence towards a woman wouldn't be so that much frowned upon, but towards animals, it's always this violence towards animals is usually a great deal of cruelty. Yeah, because animals, as they're generally understood in culture and literature everywhere today as well, yeah. as innocent creatures, yeah. creatures devoid of guilt, of evil, even. And yeah. it is ironic that it is a black cat. <laughs> A figure which is associated with evil, but whose demeanor is nothing but kind. Yeah. There's no real. There's only reactive violence from the black cat. Yeah. Uh, from Pluto. And uh, and from his nature, basically, like he just. Yeah, he he's just, being attacked. He, he, he reacts. Yeah, he, like the two episodes are, he bites the hand of the narrator, and it's just like a small bite. It doesn't even hurt him yeah. that much. And after he's just going down the stairs, and the narrator trips, and that's it. <laughs> and he goes berserk. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the point. Yeah. And 
even later when um, as he's talking about about his wife this violence towards her is is something that is put from the very beginning like that's the first violence that he does is towards his wife yeah verbally and physically yeah we are led to believe and not at all seizing here uh, right before the the scene where he ends up murdering her the moodiness of my usual temper increased to hatred of all things and of all mankind, while from the sudden, frequent, and ungovernable outburst of a fury to which I now blindly abandoned myself, my uncomplaining wife, alas, was the most usual and the most patient of sufferers. She's basically the only person there, like, she remains, from what I like to believe, still as kind, still as sweet, still as nice, but passive and suffer of his violences yeah like her active action saves the cat's life and dooms ultimately both her and her husband yeah because had she not spared the cat maybe he would have uh killed the cat or and maybe at some point or not killed her and gotten away with it yeah but her saving of the cat ultimately condemns the husband which is a monstrous figure, or became a monstrous figure, yeah. if you will. And it is... It's almost like revenge in disguise. Yeah, and it is her active action. Like, she stops him from committing a violence, and then, and then that just... violence he redirects <laughs> immediately towards her. Yeah. And then that violence becomes powerful. It, it is almost as if this initial cruelty of his that starts with his wife, yeah. and then goes into the animals, as he says, like, almost naturally in a way that is more visceral and more distinct to readers, especially at the time, like, uh, we're talking about the 1900s. Uh, the, well, if we think that today, violence against women is still, against women is still mostly normalized, yeah. which is always fucking atrocious and monstrous, then it was just as worse, or even more. Yeah. And exactly. to point at the animals, it is a way of making that visceral, of making that clear. No, this is monstrous. Yeah. It, it comes up again and it is a common literary figure. Violence against animals is a sign of huge and immense cruelty. Yeah. There's usually no real doubt about it. And but when she stops him, that violence, which was still at her, but mostly at the animals, then he directs at her. Yeah. And that ultimate all his period of violence culminates and ends with her. Because he's then later on condemned by that particular violence. Yeah. Quite rightly so. Yeah. Another thing that I I keep thinking about every single time that I re read this short story <laughs> is why the fuck does he say in the ending that the body of his wife was erect? Mm hmm. I, I guess I didn't pay attention to that. Yeah, because I always think of the figure of his wife is actually alive with the cat. Oh, yeah, like... Oh, right. You made yeah, a very good point. Th th there's, there's only one way that she would be erect if, if she were, like, literally, like, concreted to the to the wall and mm -hmm. just stood, like, hand solo in the... In the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it's almost like the cat it's not like it uh, i always try to to interpret that ending in all sorts of ways but 
one of the interpretations that that I always have the first time that I reread it, this this line in specific is that actually the howl and the shrieking and the screaming are from the cat and the wife <laughs> and that they are both calling from the grave that makes a lot of because sense because actually the cat he's dead as well he's a <laughs> a specter if you will yeah he's like uh, we, i i mean we can't trust the 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 narrator but we tend to believe that that's pluto yeah as well as so if pluto came back and did all those things so it's almost like he knows what is going to happen to the to the narrator mm-hmm. and if by his powers he came back <laughs> he could uh, i don't know it's, it's just a fun thing because i don't see any any reason to say about the a dead body a corpse being erect yeah in in its in its tomb so it's it, it's it's fun to think about this as well yeah i i guess at, at these previous readings i never paid attention to it because i always imagine like oh the corpse like sort of fell over and that was the cat but no like this <laughs> yeah exactly it's like talk about a, a mea culpa <laughs> not paying that much attention <laughs> but like the corpse if the corpse is still standing there and the cat on its head that that draws a bit of a weirder image yeah exactly because the cat is like s- sort of perched on the corpse it's almost like commanding the corpse yeah <laughs> like he is he's the mark of the corpse the marks of death the mark of death exactly <laughs> and in that sense he is he is the spectral Pluto. Yeah. He is this sign that, oh, uh, I am death. Yeah. I am the death you have caused. I am become death. <laughs> I am the death of Pluto and the death of your wife. Yeah. In such a way, he is there to condemn the narrator. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> lead him to his death. <laughs> Leading to his death in the gallows. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's prophetic. Yeah, exactly. It's almost prophetic. Like this cat with the gallows that was sort of the death of the of Pluto and will be the death of the narrator. Exactly. Yeah, it's really man. It's really fucking good. It's a fantastic <laughs> short story. Yeah. And it, it's something that also that I def- genuinely paid attention this time around was well, what led to the change in the narrator's behavior? Like he was so kind and that's why he was paying attention to the fiend intemperance so it was drinking it was alcoholism it was this modern problem yeah if we think as Paul was generally thought out as this writer of modernity quite distinctively then this short story carries one of modernity's problems the drinking yeah the alcoholism the addiction and in that sense that readability that obsession and we are never told at all why did the narrator start drinking? And why did he never stop drinking? Yeah. Um, the thing about alcohol, any other addiction, is that there's nothing inherent to any substance, be it hallucinogenic or, or, or alcohol, whatever, that is inherently addictive. Yeah. The addiction sets in because of a variety of reasons, one of them that is subjective, 
Not that it's contextual and yeah, compressive, yeah, yeah, and this is generally a social condition or social yeah. reality, yeah. And if we apply this analysis or this perspective, which is concrete to this short story, whether it takes into account or not, we are never shown what leads the narrator to start drinking, yeah, to develop this addiction, to do this. It is a thing that is, it is a reality. It, yeah. it is almost like it's a condition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, through the instrumentality of the fiend in temperance, it's something that happened yeah. and that is happening throughout the story yeah. up until the very end. And that we don't know how it started. We know that it started and we know that it was a thing. In that sense, it addiction is not... We see addiction in the story as out of context. And I think that should make us the questions, especially as leftists. So like, okay, there's addiction. Why? Yeah. And to ignore that question is to not understand, not consider, not reflect on addiction. Yeah, in a, exactly. In a social, economic, and political way. Because it happens in these spheres. It happens in reality with yeah. a variety of circumstances and elements that shift from person to person, from place to place, from society to society. Yeah. So it is a very intense sort of addiction, the ones that were in the 1800s. Uh, with the industrial revolution this this horrifying way of life that was imposed a great deal of poor and working class and what is notable we don't know much about this narrator in the story we know that they aren't in a very good economic condition especially at the end as it says that one day, the wife, she accompanied me upon some household errand into the cellar of the old building which our poverty compelled us to inhabit. So there's a mention of poverty and not and lack of money yeah. <laughs> um, here. But in the initial fire, there's talk of the narrator, the wife, and a manservant that left yeah. running the house. Yeah. So... And he talks as well about losing all of his possessions when the house is burnt. Yeah. Like, all my lively material possessions have been destroyed. Yeah, in that sense, like... And now it's becoming even more interesting to talk about Pluto. Because Pluto, which is Hades, uh, god of death in the Roman tradition, we can think about why it was the Roman name and not the Greek one, but yeah. that I won't know. I, I don't know. I don't know where to start with that, but I'm yeah. sure that there's probably a good reason. It's Poe, yeah. after all. Yeah. He is the god of death and also the god of wealth. Yeah. So, by, by destroying Pluto, he destroys all his material possessions, exactly. all his wealth, yeah. leading him into poverty. Yeah. Or poverty, rather. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it began in a, or it was triggered, rather by this first destruction of the cat, of Pluto. By brutally killing him, he kills his wealth, he kills his material reality. He goes into poverty and further destroys himself, his own psyche, if yeah. you will. Uh, especially with the image, be it uh, imprinted in the wall, or that a, we see later um, in, uh, in the cat whether that was a real image or not. So, yeah, it is... <laughs> it is definitely perturbing. Yeah. 
And I was remembering, I, I just, I don't know how, if he hanged himself from, there's the, the story of Odin mm-hmm. actually hanging from Yggdrasil from his neck. Yeah, he he hung upside down, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, if I recall correctly, he hung himself upside down in the tree uh, in order to sort of reveal, I think it was the runic knowledge, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Again, if we think of Odin, the same image, the one eye, the disguise, the yeah. hanging, that seems to be a recurring image in this short story as well that I cannot consider, but that makes plenty of sense. The gallows, again, the yeah. hanging. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which but... is not also here. Here's also uh, an image uh, of the hanged and uh, hanging prisoners and the like. Yeah. So And he's hanged from the tree the first time Pluto... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. From a tree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this. There's too many coincidences for yeah. this to be a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's probably uh, a sort of distinct reason to it. Yeah. And again, it is the playing of such various images of the black cat himself, who is usually this image of evil and of violence, which is this. The cat is pure. Yeah. This black cat who is supposed to be this evil. This shadow this violence which in disguise it is that it's actually like sort of purity yeah it's this kindness this gentleness and that is vindictive yeah that condemns him <laughs> yeah it's like you will pay for your sins yeah. so we will have vengeance yeah and i will not kill you i will make the rules of man kill you yeah it's like <laughs> i condemn you but i will not attack you directly exactly there's there's a moment in the short story that he talks about being violent in the sole purpose of not respecting law yes and he law is in italic in the text so it's exactly that he the cat is the sort of like power the sort of essence of purity but when he's attacked directly he he's just like so if you're not going to respect my my kind of not laws but if you're not trying to respect my logic i will make your logic punish yourself yeah <laughs> it is <laughs> it's very powerful it's yeah. very powerful and it is a great great choice yeah like Poe, it's filled with very powerful moments. Yeah. Like this short story is really intense. And the, the brutality, the violence is recurrent. It is intense. It is It is unparalleled, really. Well, I won't say that. The, the murders of Rue Morgue are, are some of the most violent things I've ever read. <laughs> for a police story as well. So, you know, it, it yeah. is very interesting to be one of its origins. Again, whole, a whole thing. But it is a distinct cruelty to animals. And it is also a distinct cruelty to women. And I'm not trying to say that, oh, Paul was a sort of proto-feminist. Or yeah. I, don't <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a bit much. Yeah. But he definitely adds some more complicated elements to this violence towards women. Yeah. Uh, to the wife, especially, who is the first and ultimate sufferer of the narrator's violence. Yeah. And her violence, and the violent, or the violence towards her, is unreflected. 
I think that is very distinct. Yeah. Because if he suffers some regrets, killing the cat, or attacking, or the dread was attacking the second cat. Yeah. He kills his wife, and there's no regret. <laughs> yeah. There's the only reason in entombing her in a wall yeah. inside a cellar. Yeah. Or even beforehand, like the the initial violence toward her, he he doesn't regret. He regrets the violence towards the cat, toward towards Pluto, towards killing him. But the violence that he perpetrates towards her is unreflected. It is a thing that happens. Even when he says that it, as his anger grew and grew and towards his uncomplaining wife, as the most usual and the most patient of sufferers, he does not regret that type of violence. That violence, it's fine. Yeah. It's still a bad violence, it's not good, but it's, it doesn't warrant any sort of regret or reflection on the part of the narrator. And that is also distinctive towards the short story. Yeah. Because it portrays a, a great deal of brutality towards animals and towards the the wife, but the but the the former is reflected. The former is regretted. The former one is seen as terrible, and it is the more present. Yeah. The latter is the one of most distinction, and it is the one that is like it is the the second murder. Yeah. Yeah. But it is the one that condemns. It is the one that warrants consequence above all. Yeah. And it is the one that leads to the, the vengeance. Yeah, and I, I should go even further and say that if he ever dreaded or if he felt bad at any time about the murder of his wife, the story would at least be called The Black Cat and the Lady, I don't know, something like that. It, it's it's glorious to think as well that uh, the the like the level of not caring about the, the 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 assassination of his wife that he himself did is he comes back to the story to talk about what happened and even then he's not caring about his wife he's talking about the cat yeah like because ultimately the cat that as we talked about uh condemned him mm-hmm. if it if it if we're not from for the cat being alive after the attack, he as you said, he probably would have gotten away with it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like the final confirmation that he actually ha- have has abandoned all of the like minimal mental well being. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> The violence is... He's like, that fucking cat, I killed my wife, and now he comes back and ruins my life, something like this. Yeah, that's <laughs> basically a very good description of it. Yeah. Like, the entire focus on the story by the narrator is on the, the cat. The black cat, yeah. Not on his wife, <laughs> yeah. who is the one that suffers, like, even worse, because she suffers from the very beginning to the very end of her life. Like, yeah. the narrator is her doom. Yeah. and. About her, he doesn't care. Yeah, exactly. He cares at the very beginning, but as he goes further and further into the alcoholism, into the violence, into the cat, she fades away, and even when he does kill her, like, she was dead, and now the hideous murder accomplished, I set myself forthwith, and with entire deliberation, to the task of concealing the body. So, like... What was important, what, the, the horror was done, so now let's get on with it. <laughs> yeah. It really does gloss over that murder. Yeah. So, yeah, this, um, 
didn't think I'd be talking about violence towards women when talking about the black, Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat, but I think this is a very good place that we've gotten to. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is nice. Talking about Poe is always nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this should be should be wrapping up. I although there's definitely more we could say. I think this is a good place to end on. We're all getting close to an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The point is, um, as anything in literature, we're not trying to respond uh, to like have uh, solving questions, solving yeah. problems. It's about thinking about the other questions that that arise from the first questions that we have. Yeah, it's about asking questions. Yeah, it's exactly. about asking more and more questions. Yeah, so like, and to the point where like it doesn't really matter whether Poe was a proto-feminist or whatever. <laughs> exactly. It matters that in this text we see a great deal of violence towards women that is put on the back burner. Yeah. But that is in essential to the whole functioning and conclusion of the story. Yeah. The wife is essential to from the very beginning to the very end. To be it as this first sufferer of violence. Yeah. Or as this one who acts at the end to stop a second violence towards the cat towards another cat, similar to the original one, and who pays the price for it by the narrator. Yeah, but actually triggers the sort of doom that mm -hmm. the, the the narrator suffers so it's almost like if Poe was thinking about all of those things and judging this narrator in disguise like judging ju judging from the fact that what the narrator is talking about is completely completely brutal mm -hmm. so we can say that Poe was not putting this element of the the wife suffering as something that the person who's reading should think oh this is normal because he's he's putting th this kind of violence with the general violence of a madman yeah like he superimposes this violence of the wife with the violence towards the animals yeah and towards the animals it's much more detailed it's much more frequent it's an object of reflection, of regret. And the one about the wife is usually washed out. It's in the corner. It's not really frequent or yeah. present. Despite it probably being the most frequent yeah. and most uh, common, as he, as he says, like, the most usual and most patient of sufferers. Yeah. So she's the one that suffered the most throughout the entire story. Yeah. And we don't know. Yeah, exactly. Again, like, if the cat can't speak... He doesn't even speak for his wife. Yeah. Much less lending her a voice. He doesn't even... He doesn't let her speak. And <laughs> he doesn't even speak for her. Yeah. He barely comments on his action, on her actions, usually ignoring her or putting her as passive, and then he kills her. <laughs> so it's a very powerful episode... Episode? Short story on the <laughs> violence towards a woman. Yeah. And that didn't come out on our original readings. Yeah, exactly. Either in school, in college, or now, I think. that. Yeah. And I think that is quite relevant, something to take from the story as well. Yeah. So, yeah, any uh, final <laughs> remarks? I think we, we have tripped too much. <laughs> yeah, I think we've done a, a good dive into this yeah, story. Yeah, exactly. In, 
in ways that I I guess we didn't expect, but that definitely very interesting. Yeah. So yeah, um, thank you, thank you, uh, dear listeners. We yeah. we should have possibly another episode in December as well, as we have some more time and uh, some of our Patreon content. I by the time this episode has gone out, uh, we literally before I started recording, I put the I put a public post on Patreon for uh, suggestions, questions, anything that both patrons and non-patrons think about a Patreon, about a show, and yeah. what you'd like, what you'd be willing to support us for, so we can give you like comment for what you're paying for, really. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, make it worthwhile for you all. So, yeah, yeah uh, please check our page on that, patreon.com forward slash left page. I think that's it. It'll be on the show notes regardless. Uh, check out Twitter at, at leftpagepod and keep an eye out. We now that the year is over or almost over, at least our college year, uh, we can start thinking about collabs with some more time and some more yeah. collected uh, demeanors. And I'm sorry, I, I was just laughing because you said keep an eye out, and I was thinking about Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, uh, so yeah, we 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 should be planning some interesting fun stuff and along with giving you all some more content yeah so yeah thank you thank you so much for listening thank you for keeping up with us and hopefully you'll you'll be having some good holidays and some good time as the year draws to a close so thank you so much for listening thank you and to the next one